You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 242. And today, we're going to break through common business growth barriers and learn a very simple system to scale your business fast. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. We're talking about scaling today and what kind of business owner you need to be to really pull off big growth and not just a couple extra thousand dollars in your bank account, but really getting growth in your business. Now you're going to want to grab a pencil and some paper or get that device that you like to take notes on because you're going to want to double down today and take really good notes scaling your business and really being able to move the revenue needle is so valuable, but it has a lot to do with how you're showing up as a business owner. And our guest today will explain how to become a true business owner and really move the needle in your business. Now, while we're talking about revenue, if you don't have my Revenue Rush Toolkit yet, you're going to want to get it because it's a perfect complement to what we're talking about today. Inside this toolkit, It is a resource with my 21 years of tried and true proven practices to create an instant on-demand rush of revenue into your business bank account. These are things I've personally done or I've taught my clients to do and they work. You can use them all, you can use one or two, but the best news is that moment when you realize you need a burst of cash flow or you wanna plan for a nice cash bump over the next 90 days, grab one of these tools in the toolkit and put it into action. You can get your copy right now at yourrevenuerush.com. All right, now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. We're talking today about how to become a true business owner. Let me introduce you to my guest, Bill Prater. Now, he's founder and CEO of Business Mastery and the creator of Scaleology and the host of Supercharging Business Success. Bill earned his reputation as America's business alchemist by helping business owners and entrepreneurs break free of inertia and accelerate into the future they dream of. He loves nothing better than sharing what he has learned by working with those who are dissatisfied with the status quo and eager to transform themselves and their business. Bill created Scaleology and the Business Mastery System as the core foundational principles of dynamic and continuous business growth. And a typical client of Bill's, this is is really good, his typical clients, oh, a typical client of his sees their company rising to a position of preeminence and is not satisfied with just getting to the next level. I love that so much, Bill. Great positioner to really know who your typical clients are and what they're yearning for. Well, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. I'm I'm fascinated by this idea of being a true business owner. Can you share a little bit about what that means? I sure can. Thanks for that great question. And uh, it's it's really uh, the foundational part of that is uh, most 
businesses that are started are tend to be started by what I'll call professionals or 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 people with a craft like for example somebody's really good at uh, shoeing horses so they say wow I should create myself a horse shoeing business and and what's missing in that equation is shoeing a horse is not the same as operating a business which involves delivering that service because now you've got things like marketing and sales and finance and and employees and and uh, governmental interaction and uh, a trade association the list goes on and on yeah, Melanie, and I think what happens to a lot of people is they uh, when they particularly when they found a business uh, they're they're great for example let's say executive coach and they decide to leave their uh, where they're working and then move into their own business they no one ever said to them uh, hey uh, being good at your profession or your craft is not at all the same in running a business and that contributes a lot to why so many such a high high percentage of newly started businesses fail after a year or two or three. Hmm. That makes sense. It, it kind of reminds me back in the day of the e-myth concept is, you know, are you a craft person or are you a business person? And and that is, a, I think what a lot of people would relate to as I know how to be a coach or I need, I know how to be a consultant, but do I know how to like grow a business? Right. How does, how does someone know that they're not operating like a true business owner? Well, part of the first test is, particularly for those that 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 leave a corporate job and then they found their business and they realize that their gross revenue is less than their, what their salary used to be. That's a good indicator. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but the first real sign is is then when uh, when they I, I I think it's when what I call when their dance card gets full. So regardless of what. The business owner is doing coaching, uh, shoeing horses, whatever it may be. Uh, the first sort of milestone is, geez, if only I had enough clients. And so enough would be, I'm busy all the time servicing my clients. The problem with that posture is one or two or three will eventually leave. Let's use the term graduate. And now what? Well, now you have to get new clients. And that's really the first signal is when uh, people realize I've got to have balance between all the various things that are involved with running a business. Yeah, that makes sense. I love your, I love this measure is if your monthly revenue is less than what your salary was when you're in corporate America, you've got a problem. That's a good one. I think we can all relate to that one. Unfortunately, that happens all too often. Well, when I left my corporate job 21 years ago, I certainly did not make the money in my business uh, the first couple of years that I was making in salary. I eventually righted that problem, but it was a, it would have been a great measure for me. You know, so we're talking about like growing a business, and I, you know, sometimes I'm curious, like what what you think is the biggest barrier to business growth is for people who are, especially like the service-based businesses. Yeah, I think that we, I definitely would like to just so for, I use that horseshoeing analogy just so I could definitely have people internalize that we're talking about a craft. And so uh, 
I uh, certainly know that a lot of people will say, you know, small business, medium-sized business, large business, enterprise businesses, and so forth. I don't think of business like that at all, Melanie. I think of businesses being, uh, we'll start with solopreneur. So somebody all by themselves. And what that means is the business is you. You are the business. They're one and the same. There's no, there's no differentiation. Uh, often people like that are working out of their homes and uh, their home life and their family life blends into their business. And so that's kind of the first phase. Then the next phase, doesn't really matter how big the business may be. This next phase is what I call a having a boss-centric business. What that means is that the owner, the founder, whomever the, the boss is, everything goes through her. So even though there may be two, three, five, eight, ten 10 people, uh, all of the decisions, all of the... Uh, all of the hiring, all of the everything filters through her. And as a result of that, the business is constrained by a barrier or a funnel or a choke point that's put in place. So most companies that initially grow enough to have staff get into that spot. I call that a boss-centric business. And a lot of people, Melanie, will start a business, particularly those that leave corporate, a corporate job. They'll start a business because of the dream of, of personal freedom, freedom from somebody telling you what to do and freedom from having to depend on somebody else to dictate what you're going to make, things like that. But when you're in this boss-centric environment, you don't have any freedom whatsoever. In fact, it's worse than it used to be because everybody stands in a line, this is metaphorically, stands in a line waiting for you to make the decisions. And the graduation takes place as, as, the, as the owner realizes that and starts moving towards a team-centric company. And that's where the, the boss basically works hard to remove herself from the business so that she's not essential at all. Uh, a lot of people, when you when you're have a job for a company, you're trying to be essential, important, valuable, so you won't get kicked out or fired. But when you own a business, it's got to be the other way around. You've got to convert yourself to being a non-essential player. So then your team can blossom your freedom will grow, your income will grow, the value of your business will grow. And that's really where dynamic growth takes place when the boss realizes that she shouldn't be the person where everything goes through. That was a long answer, but I think you've got that image pretty well in your mind now, Melanie. Yeah, that's that's the visual for me of a bottleneck is yeah. uh, everything's got to go through that one person. So boss-centric business. And um, so like, if somebody recognizes, yeah, everything is going through me, what is usually your first uh, like advice or coaching to someone to flip that around and open that up so they can grow faster? Well, so the first thing is, I, uh, is to essentially um, figure out what in the world the, the position description is for a boss or an owner. And uh, I'll use the word owner better than a boss, actually, for this analogy. And, and that is, it is not the same description as it was when you were a craftsperson. So really, there's only three things 
uh, that you really need to do if you're absolutely not essential to your company? And the first one is you've got to establish the long-term vision. The, you, you have to have the end in mind. And so that all of your people, when they see you, they'll, they'll, they'll relate your presence with the long-term vision. Five, three, five, 10 years in the future, we're going to be like this. So that's kind of part one. Part two is a, a effectively a creating a culture in the organization and it needs and it has to be absolutely or it won't work. A culture of accountability, meaning that everybody that's in the organization is accountable to each other into themselves for their commitments. So when commitments are made, the teams needs to uh, realize they've got to deliver on what they say they're going to do. And likewise, the other people have to rely on that delivery taking place on time. So that's the second part of the owner's job description, and that is creating a, a culture of accountability. And the third one is uh, what I call being able to recognize, intercept, and change entropy, or when things are going to hell in a handbasket, that's entropy. And you've got, you've got to position yourself so you're paying attention. So when things start to wobble, then you step in, you put things right, and then we uh, retract. So uh, the, the first step, well, first step is to realize that you've created a bottleneck and it's you, and then you've got to change things so that your job is the three things I just said vision, culture, and uh, intercepting entropy. Hmm. That's great. I, and I can imagine someone listening into this today could see themselves as that bottleneck and they're like, okay, how do I stop being the bottleneck? Uh, you know, you talk about something called accountabilities of a business owner. Yes. What are accountabilities and why are they so important for a business owner to uh, embody? So first off, like a lot of words, accountability has a bad rap uh, because a lot of people sort of relate it to what I'll call browbeating or I'll tell them to do it and they'll do it or I'll, or I'll pull out the whip. That's not accountability. That's, uh, that's, that's a uh, hopefully outmoded old uh, early industrial age management style. And instead, by accountability, I use the term authentic accountability, and it's it's simply this: uh, we've got to uh, we've got to, as the owner, recognize that everybody has capability, everybody has limits, current limits to their capability, and everybody has hopefully upside potential. So, managing people with an accountability means figuring out what they're capable of. And the, and the way I find best to do that, and this is for yourself as well, is you want to establish commitments, also known as goals, short-term goals, uh, with, with the following kind of structure. I will create the rough draft for the podcast outline by uh, Tuesday, this, the 17th of next month. Fine. So now we've got a commitment with a date and it's something specific. Next part of that is you've got to have some standards of measurement. One thing you do not want to do is ever insist on 
if you, the owner, insist on 100% delivery all the time from your people, the natural thing for people to do, because they don't want to fail, is to lower down their, their goals, to do less than they're capable of in order to get 100%. So think about if we're all, our business is jumping high jump, we're high jumpers. Well, everybody on your team can jump over a one foot barrier. So fine, let's have our goal jump over a one foot barrier. Now we got hundred percent and we get nothing done whatsoever. Instead, what we need to do is figure out how high each person can jump. And that's where we want them to make their commitments. And I like 70%, 70%, if you can get 70% of your vital goals done every month, you will have your business grow like a skyrocket. So 70% measurement, person to person to person on, a, on, a, on an ongoing basis. So that's kind of part one, which is helping people figure out what level of commitment to make. Part two is teaching everybody else not to wait and see if their teammates deliver on time. Uh, I equate that with uh, people running a relay, uh, a relay race in track and field. And if you look at a high level track and field meet, people running the relay, uh, uh, so the second runner, she'll take off when the other person's 10 yards away, knowing that the first runner is going to deliver the baton on time. Well, that's what you want your team to be doing. You want them to start off running full speed before the other person delivers, knowing that they're going to be there on time. Because if, if the other people in your company do not believe other people will do what they say, they'll sit around and wait because they'll get, they'll get trained to do nothing and, unless and until something shows up. So that's a track and field. But let's think about a real business. So a real business might have somebody that's responsible for, let's say, sales. So this person says, I'll deliver a sale uh, by next Tuesday. But the person that's going to produce that knows that person's full of it and is not going to deliver. So they're not going to manufacture anything. They're not going to put together the service. They're not going to complete the proposal because they've been trained that the person lets them down all the time. Hmm. So that's part two of the owner's job and accountability. And that is to create a culture so everybody expects their teammates to deliver 70% of the time. 70% is a high number, frankly. If you think about, uh, if you're playing volleyball, having a 70% kill ratio is pretty darn good. If you're playing baseball, batting 700, 700 would be unbelievable. So in business, that's a good measurement. 70% yeah. rule, I call it. I love the um, the this new way of looking at uh, the standard of measurement and um, not not having like expectations that has to be hundred percent all the time. I, I could totally see how that plays out for entrepreneurs and how they set their own goals as well. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, is there anything else that you think is important for us to know about really establishing true business ownership as an entrepreneur? Well, uh, yes, uh, and, that, and that is this. Almost every industry or niche within an industry has what, what are sometimes called standards, industry standards or best practices, 
or KPIs, key performance indicators, all of those are measurements of the average company. So fine, I mean, you can, you can do your best to be average, but if you really want to have a company that's worth something, that generates great personal income for you, gives you a high level of personal freedom, then, then you've got to emulate what the people at the very high end of your niche do. What do those people do that's different than, than the norm? And as it turns out, it's always the same thing. And that is uh, uh, pretty much what I've just told you. And that is, number one, uh, people at that level have a certain mindset and the mindset's focused on the goal or the future or the result. It's not on the day-to-day. -day. Number two, they operate with a system of management a management system, I just told you, the right one to use is one that has a lot of accountability built into it. And the third one is, and this is hard for a lot of people, and I had a coaching client today, and I'll tell you what I said to him in a second, but, but you've got to realize that you must hire A players, which are the, the best players available right now uh, for the salary, if you will, you're willing to pay because A players produce two, three, 500% of what an average player does. They cost more, but they don't cost two, three, 500%. They might cost 110, 115% more, but boy, you get your bang for the buck. So number one, a mindset, if you will, of mastery with the, with the end result in mind. Number two, a system of running your business that's focused on accountability. And third, uh, 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 <clears throat> building a team of A players. That's what the elite business owners in your niche are doing. And if you want to get to that spot, emulate them. That's great advice. You don't want to emulate the norm. You want to emulate the people that are really shining stars. So yes, uh, yes makes yeah. perfect sense. Uh, you have so much wisdom, Bill. In fact, I can't wait to ask you a couple more like how you got here questions. But uh, while I'm thinking of it, I let people know how they can get in touch with you and what's a good way to find out like how to go deeper with their, your scaleology process. Well, I tell you, uh, uh, the, the, the best thing for them to do is to uh, go to getbillsgift.com, getbillsgift.com. They'll get right in the middle of everything, everything we've been talking about today. There is no cost whatsoever for it. They'll just go. It's a gift after all. And uh, just go there, getbillsgift.com and, and get involved with that process. Day one, minute one. Then you asked me actually another question before you asked me that one. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, well, that's it. That's the okay. easiest. All right, good. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, yes. So what I uh, was saying is I really, I love like this going behind the scenes all bit. Like we've learned so much of your wisdom, but I know you put some hard knocks into getting this wisdom and, and being able to teach it. What do you think is the boldest thing you had to do to get where you are in your business right now? Well, uh, I'm reminded of, of, of two stories. They're a bit related, but, but uh, they're both very meaningful for me, and it made a huge difference. And it turns out that, that, uh, that I, I, grew, uh, I grew up in a very, very, very poor family. We had a rich life, but no money. And so 
uh, I knew that I had to, uh, I was told actually, that if I wanted something, I had to go earn the money and then buy it for myself. So in any event, I, I ended up, therefore, uh, having to work myself through school and I loved work. And so I loved it so much, I flunked out of school. And so here I was, flunked out of school. And uh, I said, oh, wow, that was a bad idea. And so I went back to see the dean of school and and told him, I said, hey, I'd like to come back to school. And he said, why in the world would I want you back in school? You're a, you're a college failure. And I get all these eager freshmen that are, that are eager to come to school. And I said, okay, okay, I got to get figure out how to get through this. And I said, basically, please, please, please. And he said, I'll tell you what. And here's where the lesson is. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll put you back in a night school. And if you get straight A's, if you get straight A's for two quarters, you can come back to day school. And I said to him, how in the world am I going to get straight A's? I'm, just, I, I'm at best a C student. He says, well, think that through. And I said, well, how am I going to do it? He said, I don't know. Ask the professor. I said, okay. He said, no, you're not listening, Mr. Prater. I said, ask the professor. Uh, I said, oh, I get it. The only people that ask the professor how to get an A are A students. He says, you got it. So it worked like magic. Uh, so I'd, I'd, go to the, I'd go to the first day of class, I'd go to school and I'd raise my hand and I'd say, can I see you after school, uh, after class teacher? And yeah, I sure can. I'd go up and I'd say, how can I get an A in your class? And they'd all light up and they'd say, well, you do this and that and there and so forth and so on. And, and uh, anyway, the lesson that I learned is most human beings are hardwired to help you. And so if you're a business owner, ask for help. Ask, go to the people that are in some place where you'd like to be. Like, for example, we already talked about, go to somebody in your niche that has an elite, uh, uh, super uh, powerful, super successful company and say, how do I do what you did? They'll go, thanks for asking. And so that's kind of lesson number one. And lesson number two, sort of related, uh, so I ended up getting a good job with a big company called IBM, and I ended up being uh, on the kind of the fast track, and I was making, I was doing well, making good money, and so forth and so on. And I got promoted three or four times, and I and oh, my, oh, this one particular promotion, I um, got a call from my boss's boss's boss, so a big wig in IBM. He went on to be the CEO actually, and and he said to me. Uh, hey, when you move down to Palo Alto, I was in Seattle. He said, when you move down to Palo Alto, uh, uh, move down to, to get your job in San Jose, buy a house in Palo Alto. I said, huh? He said, yeah, buy a house in Palo Alto. I said, here, I'm thinking to myself, the, my boss's boss's boss calls me on the phone and tells me where to buy a house? And he said, yeah, believe me, yeah, believe me, you need to buy a house in Palo Alto. And I said, may I ask why? He said, sure. He says, look, we have a rule here at IBM that you can't, we can't move somebody more than once every couple of years. So if you buy a house that's in some place other than Palo Alto, which is in the dead center of the, of the Bay Area, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's close to San Francisco, to Oakland, to San Jose, to all, every place, in the whole area. It's right in the dead center. It's the epicenter of the place. He says, then we can promote you any place in that whole region quickly. So I did. 
and I got promoted in uh, nine months from my from one job to another. So what I learned my second lesson, first one was to ask for help, and the second one was always, always, always have mentors around you. Always have somebody that you've hired to be your mentor who's already been there before and let them show you the way. It's, it's, it's one of the world's greatest shortcuts. And I think it's such a um, misconstrued investment that people make. I, I would say four out of five of my guests say the same thing. I wish I would have hired a mentor sooner. I wish I would have invested faster. <laughs> I wish I would have uh, recognized the value a mentor was going to bring me. So Bill, it's not surprising to me that that's uh, one of your bold steps forward. I I really well, appreciate- you know, if I can, Do I have time for a footnote on that? Yeah, of course. Well, so it's, it's back to that bell curve, that distribution, when we look at an, a niche in an industry. If you think about individuals and business owners, they're in that same distribution curve. Believe me, the people that are average in the middle of the niche, they don't give a hoot about mentors. They don't care about coaches. That's why they're average. But if you look at the people at the high end of every niche, every single one of them has a mentor. So the lesson is, if you want to be really, really successful, emulate the successful and do what they do. They have mentors and coaches. And that is a perfect ending to our session today. Bill, thank you so much. Again, I want to encourage you. Bill is so full of wisdom. Get Bill's gift at getbillsgift.com. We will hook that up for you in the show notes as well. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Melanie, it's been a pleasure to be with you. I'm grateful that you asked me to come on your show. You are so welcome. It's been a real treat. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 